Good evening, everyone. How's it going? Welcome to Elements City Church. My name is Lyle. We're so glad that you're here tonight, whether you're here on site, whether you're joining us online. Uh, we're just grateful that we get to gather together to be the church uh, tonight. So a couple quick things as we get started. First of all, tonight's our after party. You might have noticed, for those of you who are in the room, as you were walking in, the parking lot looks a little bit different. If you're at home, listen, it's Tucson. Traffic's not that bad. You've still got time to get here tonight. We've got the Taco Keta truck that's already here. We've got American Flying Buffalo on the way. Uh, we're, we're decked out in our jerseys tonight because we're just here to have a good time. Uh, after the service is done. So there's still time for you at home to make it down here to join us. Just saying, just saying. You do with that information whatever you will. For the rest of us, we're here to have a great time as well. If you're new, if this is your first week here, uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us. There's a couple ways that you can get connected if you want to know some more information about the church. Uh, so first of all, you can download the church app itself. You can go to the, your, your app store, your Google Play store, whatever device you use. Search Elements City Church, and uh, you can find the app there that's got news, that's got information. Also, if you scroll down, you'll see a section that's labeled the connection card. You can tap that, fill that out, and guess what? If you take that to the back, to the 10-minute party when the service is done, we have not just any kettle corn, say it with me, the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. That's right. We've got it in everyone's heads now. That was, man, I just started crying a single tear. That's just, it was beautiful, folks. That was beautiful. Uh, for those of you who are at home, uh, you can uh, text in 520-340-6868. Text the word hello to us. Uh, you're going to get a link back in a text. Just tap that link. Uh, fill out the information there. That'll get you connected. And then your first time here, take it back to the 10-minute party. And you can get the best kettle corn south of the Grand Canyon, live and in the flesh here in the building. So one thing I love about our church, I love that we get to gather to worship together. There's something special that happens in the corporate setting like this, isn't there? When the Holy Spirit shows up and he just kind of sits in that moment, when we get to sing these songs together, right? Like maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe you haven't been to church very often and, and you walk in, you're like, they're all singing. That's a little bit weird. What's going on with that? Uh, but listen, when you see someone you love, right? There's that moment, love at first sight. You feel the light. You feel the heat in your heart, right? What happens? Why do birds suddenly appear, right? You, you can't help but burst out in a song sometimes. And so we gather together as a church. We love Jesus. And we gather to sing these songs, to express our enjoyment of him, to express what he's done in our lives. So we're going to worship tonight. We've got a baptism tonight. How awesome is that? That's right. We've got a sermon from Jack. There it is. I know, I was waiting. I was like, is, is that going to get a, a pop? Just kidding, just kidding. We're going to have a great time tonight with the after party as well, so we're glad you're here. Let's all stand together as we get ready to worship. We're going to pray for our church of the week as well. That's Rising Star Baptist Church. We're going to pray for their pastor. His name is Amos Lewis. Pastor Amos is such a wonderful man. Uh, got to meet him several months ago and spend a day uh, in prayer uh, where he was with Jack and with me. And just, man, guys, he's wonderful. So let's pray for his church. Let's pray for our church tonight as well. Uh, join me as we do that. So, Father, we thank you so much that we get to gather tonight under the banner of Jesus, under his name, under his love. And it's because of him that we even get to do this. And so we worship you. We worship you and we just choose in this moment to set everything aside, to put all of our attention, all of our affection toward you. 
God, would you show up in a powerful way tonight? Would your Holy Spirit descend into this place? And he's already active. He's already speaking in people's lives. He's already moving in people's hearts. And so would you just increase our awareness of how you're working, how you're moving right now, God, uh, of what it is that you want to do, what you want to say into each one of our lives tonight through the worship, through the word uh, as Jack comes to teach. But just let tonight uh, be a night full of your blessings for us, a night where we just sense your joy over us, your joy with us uh, as we get to celebrate, not just in the service, not just the baptism, but even after the service together. And we pray for Rising Star Baptist Church. God, would you do a powerful work through them? Uh, I love their mission statement that they want to be a local church here, uh, but they also want to reach the global community as well. And so they're excited about their podcast they just launched. They're excited at the number of followers they've been seeing, joining them on their Facebook page. Uh, And they're just finding new ways to get to connect with people. So God, we just pray your anointing over Pastor Amos over there and the rest of his team. God, would you give them favor? Would you give them wisdom on how to best lead their church forward to tend their slice of the kingdom here in Tucson uh, as we all work together uh, to make disciples and to see uh, you made famous here, Jesus. So come do a work only you can do tonight, God. Would you increase our expectations of you now, of the things that you could do tonight? Maybe there's something in our hearts, God, that's something that we need, something that we need a miracle for you to show up, for us to know that it really is you who's doing that. Just because we may not have seen that before in this church, God, that doesn't mean you can't do it and that doesn't mean you won't do it. So would you give us a heart to believe tonight, whatever it is that you wanna do, you're capable of doing it and we're expecting that you'll do far more than we can ask or imagine, as your word says. And so to you be all the glory and all the honor in the church, as Ephesians 3 says. We love you, Jesus. It's all for you. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right, church, let's see those hands. Come on. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind away? It was my tomb Till I met you Failures I've tried to hide It was my truth Till I met you You called my name
Something was heavy Chains breaking through the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven to introduce you to my friend Jeff and uh, I hope you get to chat with him tonight at the tailgate party. Jeff and I started chatting probably a year, year and a half ago and uh, a journey from skepticism, shall we say? Yes. To a journey of saying yes to Jesus uh, culminates in tonight of him making a public profession of his faith in Jesus. And so Jeff, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have then I am excited as your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, surrounded by the community that loves you and your church family. i 
Great. 
Father, your spirit is here. As we can feel the joy, we can feel the hope that your son delivers to us. Lord, we're here tonight to declare the name of Jesus Christ as sovereign. And your son, Jesus, that you have this way of things where you come into us and change us from the inside out. And man, it's so hard to explain sometimes. Like a little push, a little pull. And God, that's what we want. We wanna feel that. We wanna start to look a little bit more like your son, Jesus. Gosh, how awesome it is to be able to be here together, gathered, celebrate uh, Jeff in, in making this, this proclamation that Jesus has moved in him and he wants to commit to the rest of his existence being about your glory. And man, there's something about living life in that way. We just begin to thrive. Man, I want that. I know everybody here wants that. So Lord, move in this church, move in this place, in these walls, outside of these walls. Move within us. We wanna be your church. The legs, the hands, the feet of your hope, of your grace, of your love. I'm just excited to be here tonight, God. Thank you. Bless our time together. And we love you. Amen. Can I have a seat, church? Thanks, team. <clears throat> so good to worship together, to celebrate life change together, to hang out, eat food together here in a few moments and just be together. And, and those of you joining us online, you're still a part of this and we're thrilled to, to have you tuning in with that. We've been in this series and uh, just want to point out the fact that I'm a huge Steelers fan. Okay, uh, so uh, in case you didn't know, now you know and now you've been warned. Uh, so uh, we've been in this series looking at Micah 6.8 and kind of picking apart this verse and, and really trying to challenge you to internalize this one particular verse. And before we get to that challenge, uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Chain Gailey was the football coach uh, for Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And at a dinner, he was sharing about when he was a coach prior to that, he was at Alabama Troy State. And they were playing for a championship uh, title in that moment, and, and things were going really well, and this was a moment in the, the story of the dinner, he was telling, man, this is a moment where just things kind of came home to me, and, and God kind of used this to teach me a lesson, and, and he was there, it was the week of the championship game, and he's walking out to practice, and the secretary opens the door and, and yells out to him, Mr. Gailey, you're wanted on the phone, and he's like, no, just tell him I'll call him back, I'm heading over to practice, it's a big week, and she says, but it's Sports Illustrated. He's like, well, oh, okay. Um, so like he turned around and he starts walking back toward the office. And as he's walking, he's kind of thinking it's, man, Sports Illustrated. Alabama Choice State is a championship game. This is a big, 
it's a big moment. Like, this could be an interview that, you know, there's no way they can capture this really in three pages and a couple shots. It needs to really be a bigger story to really encapsulate everything that's going on here and what we've been working so hard for is he's getting closer. He's realizing maybe this is going to be like a, maybe he's going to end up on the cover. And he's like, well, you know, if I end up on the cover, like, do I do an action shot, you know, just am I poised in this? And he gets back to his office, he picks up the phone, and uh, the person on the other line says, hey, is this is Mr. Mr. Gailey, and you know, this is him, and, and uh, this is Sports Illustrated, and, the, and the, the caller says, this is Sports Illustrated, we're calling to let you know that your subscription's running out. Are you interested in renewing? And Shane just realizes this is humble pie moment. Uh, and it's not Sports Illustrated calling for a story. It's his subscriptions running out. And so he's telling the story at dinner of just realizing uh, that the truth is you will be humbled in life. And you are either humble or you will be humbled is kind of what he's getting to. And we get to this last phrase that the prophet Micah is kind of telling people and saying, listen, this is uh, what I want you to be about. He says, listen, I want you to understand your humanity uh, and I want you to understand like if you want to live in alignment with God, we talked about the fine print that sometimes we get caught up in and just maybe trying to get God's attention and, and God real simply is just saying, listen, if you will just aim your life this way, I think it'll actually be the best way. And it's what we see in the life of Jesus as he comes and puts that on display in real practical ways and that we see that we get to see now as one looking back at our Savior going, well, of course he lived this way. Uh, but this is 700 years before Jesus shows up in the scene. And, and the kind of the crux of Micah um, is Micah 6, 8. Does anyone happen to know Micah 6, 8? All right, you want to give it a shot? I saw your hand first. Yep. All right. You got it. You got it. All right. Um, I'm going to toss you a size. If this is not the right size, just come see me afterwards, okay? So, all right. There we go. Nice catch. Anyone else? One more. You had your hand up. You want to go for it? All right. Do it. With your God. There you go. Perfect. Again, if it's not the right size... And um, I know some people have been like, listen, you're just throwing out shirts to get people to memorize a verse. And yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, well, that's bribing people. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Like, uh, we're not wanting you just to memorize this verse. Like, we're, what, what we're wanting is for you to internalize this because we actually believe this is the way of Jesus. And if, if we as a community actually begin living this out more and more and more, then I, I think people begin to take notice. And so uh, we'll have more opportunity at the tailgate party. You might see me just walking around, giving out shirts. So, like, you have the next 45 minutes to try to memorize Micah 6 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so tonight I want to look at this simple phrase of walk humbly. What does that mean? How do we get at this? Isn't it interesting that this is the last phrase 
that Micah uses and that he records because the reality is if you, you can act justly and you can love mercy and the truth is when you act justly, it'd be really easy to talk about it. Like, look how good I am. Uh, and it'd be really easy to love mercy and put that on display and then just kind of tweet about it, uh, how you're doing that. And, and, and I think that's kind of what he's getting at here is like, no, no you're, you're gonna like walk this humbly out with God. This is his calling for you. And how do we begin to, to look at this? Because when you do humility, uh, you begin to understand that maybe acting justly and loving mercy just becomes a little bit more natural because you're actually living in the way of Jesus. Arrogance seems to be the tipping point of so many epic stories throughout history, our country's history, maybe the history of your family, uh, maybe the history of people you know, the history of things in the world. Jesus tells the story of a dad and two sons, right? One says, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. He takes off. He squanders everything. It's just a total mess and a heap of life. And he comes to his senses, the story says, he says, well, I'll go home and just be a servant at my dad's house. Maybe he, he treats his servants pretty well, and so I'll just do that. And the other son has stayed home the entire time, and he's been close to the father, in proximity around the father. And the young one comes home, and the father's been looking for him, and he runs out. This is Luke 15, the prodigal story, and, and he, he throws this party to welcome his son home. And in this party, there's celebration going on, and yet the eldest son, the one who was there all the time, kind of around the area, is actually pacing angry outside the party. And the father goes out to him and says, won't you come in? Won't you come in? And it's his arrogance that keeps him outside of the party, refuses to go in. And Jesus is saying to the religious leaders of the day, it's, it's what you're, you don't even see it. Like you're missing it. Uh, Babylon history talks about King Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe you know his story. Uh, in the story of the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the ruler from 620 B.C. to 539 B.C. Uh, he's taken all these captive, Hebrew captives. He kind of takes them back home, and you can kind of understand the story. And, and yet this uh, ruler actually comes to call on the name Yahweh and to understand, uh, kind of remember the moment of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They survived this fiery furnace, and they come out, and even singed or even smelling like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, what in the world just happened? Uh, surely your God is, is the God. Uh, and, and everything about that. And then, then that begins to fade because Nebuchadnezzar's got like massive power and massive reach in his kingdom and all throughout that. And then one night he's kind of walking along the palace, uh, kind of the trellis there looking out over the kingdom and he begins talking in prideful tones about who he is and all he's done. And the king, it says, Daniel 4, 29, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and he said, isn't this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence and by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Hello. Record scratch coming. Daniel has interpreted his dream a few months before that, and in that moment, this is what God says to him. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from people and live with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like an ox. And he loses his sanity, and he loses everything. For seasons upon seasons, he's kind of literally out to pasture, like cattle, 
And yet the kingdom continues to roll on, but he's not enjoying any of it. His nails grow, his hair grows. Like, this dude is a mess. And at the end of the story in Daniel chapter 4, here's what happens. As his sanity is returned to him, this is what it says. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, his sanity returned to me. My majesty and splendor returned to me. The glory of my kingdom, my advisors and nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of heavens because of his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. And what you see throughout the entire scriptures is this, this reality, this truth, this call to say, listen, you can choose pride or you can choose humility, but be careful which one you choose. You want to be wise because God is able to humble those who walk in pride. And yet we know in the New Testament, God lifts up the humble. And so you want to walk with this thing. You want to live in this way. You are to walk in humility with your God. That's what Micah is saying. Oftentimes this concept of walking is a metaphor for life. Walking is a Hebrew idiom for what it means to have a lifestyle of humility. Kings of old were commanded to walk in the ways of Torah. Jesus gives us here as two examples, uh, one walking through a wide gate and one walking through a narrow gate. And what he says, like, you got to choose wisely. Paul admonishes his readers, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the way of humility. Be humble. Micah calls us to walk in humility, to simply live by faith, for faith is the antithesis of pride. It's the opposite. Pride alone insists on taking first place, but faith seeks to give God first place. He's the one that earns that. He's the one that's there. The Hebrew word is tasana, and it's this idea of humbly. Oddly enough, we don't see the word tasana in the Old Testament other than here in Micah in one other place in Proverbs 11. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with tasana, with humility, comes wisdom. Only two places in the Old Testament, yet we see it often in the New Testament. Walk humbly is the opposite of being prideful or arrogant, it's the opposite of strutting around or getting up in someone's face. Walking humbly removes you from center stage and places you in the audience. Walk humbly recognizes that you don't own the path that you're walking, and your very life is a journey with other people. Walking humbly is walking in the narrow road, so to speak, that Jesus highlights. In other words, to be humble is the opposite of being arrogant and making it all about you. C.S. Lewis uh, writes about pride. He says this, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of, uh, only out of having more of it than the next person. Uh, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or more clever or better looking than others. It's everything else, uh, if everyone else became equally as rich or clever or good looking, there wouldn't be anything to be proud of. And so it's this idea of elevating yourself. 
And what we see the prophet Micah, what we see the life of Jesus, the call of Jesus, what we see the New Testament writers writing in penance, like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but actually take thought of other people. Paul cautions us against this type of pride. He says in 1 Corinthians, people are arguing about who do you follow, Apollos or Paul? People who are in the church leadership, right? And they're like, well, one's better than the other, and who do you follow? And Paul's like, that's just nonsense. Follow Jesus. Like, who is Paul and who is Apollos? Like, don't, you're making things about us and it's really about Jesus. That's the point. He says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, do not go beyond what is written, then you will not be puffed up into being a follower of one over the other or against the other. Don't be puffed up. It's the only time that Greek word is used. Paul uses it only here. And he talks about this idea of being puffed up as when uh, this, it's almost like when an organ inside your body gets puffed up and kind of blown up. And if anyone has ever had their appendix out or if anyone's ever had surgery to remove cancer or whatever it may be, what you begin to see is like it becomes really distorted and it's not normal. That's what Paul's writing. That's the visual picture he's trying to say is, look, don't let yourself become pumped up so much air that it's overinflated, ready to burst, swollen, inflamed, extended past the proper size. Paul's saying, don't, don't let pride take you to there. You don't want that. And yet, despite all the warnings about pride, Paul also says things to challenge us to say, listen, be a person who, who doesn't walk in arrogance, but be confident. Like, you're to remain engaged in the battle. You're to move forward in determination. So it isn't this idea of cowering in front of everything. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Be confident in who you are and who God has called you to be. For God's not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. We are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And so how do you begin to wrestle with this question? When does confidence slip into arrogance? That's a valid question to begin to wrestle with. If we're to be world-changing world Christ followers in this world, it requires that we would walk humbly, but that we would also walk confidently. It's both and. And so to guard against humility, what is it, or to guard against non-humility or arrogance in that, Timothy Keller kind of suggests that to walk in that way means it's exercising this freedom of self-forgetfulness. Where it's not all about you. And you actually take interest in, in kind of sharing the spotlight with people. And you don't make every decision about you. Gospel humility means an ego that's not puffed up, but it's filled up. It's totally unique in how we go about that. We need to remind ourselves often, it's not about me. And it's okay if it's not about me. I can be confident in who I am, and you can be confident in who you are, that's part of being a healthy person. So sometimes when we walk out and we try to say, okay, I want to be humble in that, we can almost slip toward the idea of self-deprecation. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. He's worthy. He's holy. I'm a worm. I'm dirt. I've heard Christians say that. And I want to say, well, then you're the most valuable dirt ever. Because Jesus Christ went on a body and came and saved you. He thought you were worth it. So you're not nothing, and we shouldn't take that posture or that position. It's having a healthy sense of, listen, I'm valuable because of God, who he says I am. Not based on my performance or my achievements or accomplishments. I can be proud of those things, 
But my value doesn't come from those things. My value is determined because of who God says I am. And he says I'm worth a lot. And he showed that, he demonstrated that. Maybe the best uh, slant we could put on that is what we see from John the Baptist, right? Uh, John the Baptist has a very simple phrase that I think has an incredibly healthy self-assessment and understanding of who God is and who he is and who he's not. It's a simple phrase, you've heard it. John chapter three, verse 30. John the Baptist is having a proper perspective. Jesus' ministry is growing and here's what he says to people. He, Jesus, must become greater. I must become less. You know what he doesn't say? I'm nothing. I'm dirt. I'm not worth anything. That's not what he says. When he says, Jesus, I'm going to elevate Jesus. He must become greater. I become less. It's this idea of saying, I'm understanding who I am and who I'm not. I'm not nothing. I just know who I am in comparison to Jesus. And he's awesome. And you should know him. And I might be okay. But I'm not nothing. So it's not self-deprecation. C.S. Lewis talks about a mere Christianity. He talks about this idea of how do you have gospel-centered humility. He talks about people who come, uh, who almost treat themselves like dirt. And the reality is they think they're not making it about them, but they actually are. They've become self-obsessed to the point of being detrimental to themselves. And it's always only about them. And yet their focus is not on self-forgetfulness. It's everything focused on them. and Therefore, who I am in comparison, it's this weird complex. He says this, because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. It's having a proper perspective. I know who I am and I know whose I am. And that's why I can have value. That's why I can live this way. I can walk humbly. Obviously, ultimately, Jesus models this best. And we can look at a couple different places. One, you can look at Philippians chapter two, what the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus and his humility. We'll look at that at the very end uh, of tonight before we close in a song. But I think the other place you can really look at is besides the crucifixion and resurrection, uh, what, what the gospel account writers talk about a lot is the Last Supper. It's the last moment Jesus has with his disciples. In fact, the Gospel of John actually records about 25% of the whole Gospel account of the Gospel of John is about this one night, about this one evening. And you begin to read through it in John 13, John 14, John 15, and you see the intensity of what that moment would have been the significant and the theological moments behind it. And what you begin to see is all these different things that were going on. Here's what, the setting the scene to remember that night, here's what you will find will happen. Judas will get up and leave to go betray Jesus for a bag of money. That is what's gonna happen. Peter will argue with Jesus about his own level of dedication and his loyalty. That will happen. And several others will argue about which of them is the greatest, They will have this argument. And what you see in the life of Jesus is a simple statement. He quietly gets up, he goes and grabs a towel and a basin of water, and he washes the feet of every one of them. Think about that. The one who's gonna betray you, you washed his feet. The one who's arguing about his loyalty and yet is gonna deny you three times, you washed his feet. 
The people who are just over in the corner arguing about who's the greatest, you washed their feet. Jesus does it for all of them. While everyone else is talking about positions of power, wealth, authority, he takes the posture of a servant. Humility. And then he says to them, what I've done for you, you are to do for one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. Talk about a mic drop moment. And it isn't even the full culmination because within the next 24 to 36 hours, he's going to be crucified on their behalf and on your behalf and on my behalf for the forgiveness of our sins. And he's showing in that the ultimate display of humility. It's not about him. It's about you. It's about me. And he's putting the focus out on us. And he says, listen, there's so many things for us to focus on. Humility has a way of letting us focus on those. Pride has a way of internally turning the focus into yourself. And that's the challenge. Jesus comes along and says, listen, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he actually goes a step further in John 13. A new command I give you, he says. Now that would have caught the ears of every Jewish guy there. A new command. Who's the one who gives commands? God gave commands to Moses. So this is God speaking. Jesus, again, identifying and saying, I'm divine, I am God. Here's a new command I give you. As I have loved you, you love one another. You're to live this out. You hold this up. This is what you're to be. Love one another. Love serves. Love is humble. Love is action-oriented. It doesn't think of itself more highly than it ought, but it values other. Love has and takes and demonstrates humility. That's the truth of it. And that's the call we are to have. How uh, you love people will show how you love God. That's what Jesus is connecting the dots here. How you love the people around you will put on display how you love God. I'm gonna make this as simple as I possibly can, Jesus is saying. As I have loved you, now you go love one another. See, too many folks in our world are out here in a posture of, of heart that wants to wage war against people. Not enough folks are out here with a posture of heart that says, I'll wash the feet of people around me. And what the prophet Micah and what Jesus is putting on display is we are to walk humbly with our God. We're to walk in the footsteps in the example of Jesus first and foremost. Philippians chapter two, here's what Paul says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. We are to adopt, means take in ownership of, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. That is what it means to walk humbly. You wanna know what that means? Just look at the life of Jesus. It's the best example we got. Walk in that way. Adopt the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Uh, John Bunyan uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress uh, many, many years ago. Uh, pastor, theologian, here's, I love his quote. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. He that is humble will ever have God as your guide. 
But if you slip into the cultural current of our day that wants to make everything about us and about me, and you can have it your way, then it's this natural pull that begins to push you and pull you away from walking in humility. So friends, the encouragement to you, the encouragement to me, is we want to be a people who walk in humility. And that doesn't mean that you're dirt. It just means you think about yourself a little less. You don't think less of yourself. And so it is this proper, healthy, biblical perspective of recognizing who Jesus is. He must become great. I must become a little bit less. It's not all about me. And that is the tension we all have to wrestle with. And the truth is, for your life and my life, there will be seasons where it drifts toward, no, it's about me. And it's in those moments where we gotta check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, And say, no, 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 he must become great. I must become less. I don't become nothing, I just become less. It's not all about me. It's about Jesus, and how can my life point to him? How can I walk humbly with my God? And that's what we'll kind of close with next week, putting it all together. How do we begin to live this out in a more rhythmic way, in a natural way of life? And so, Father, uh, tonight, uh, we're excited to, to party together, to hang out together. Um, God, we know humility in a lot of ways is so much, so much not part of our culture. We see it on display and we, we're drawn to it. And humble people, they capture our attention because they don't make it about themselves. And it's like when you run into a humble person, they don't tell you they're humble. You just kind of begin to see it and begin to, to see it lived out. God, your church, your people, you challenge us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you having a, a proper biblical understanding of who you are, how awesome and great and powerful you are, and also a healthy understanding of how valuable we are because you say so. Because ultimately you proved it in and through your son Jesus as he came and lived and hung on a cross, died and sacrificed his life and rose again to prove that his pursuit of us was worth his full commitment. God, we want to be a people who walk humbly with you. And that is a challenge in our culture. And so we're all going to be on that, that tension that we got to manage. It's not a problem we solve or done with it. it. It's going to be a continual tension between humility and pride. And would you help humility win a little bit more this year than it did last? And would you help us get more comfortable in walking in humility next year even more than we do this year. And so that throughout our life, we're putting the kind of the, adopting that same mindset that Jesus had and putting it on display, we pray in Jesus' name.
understand me Come to me in the valley of unknowns You understand me You understand me You understand me, God You understand me So I threw all my kiss before you My doubts and fears don't scare you
awesome just living in the reality. God, you're bigger than I thought you were, that I can never get my mind around. And yet, I'm more valuable than I even give myself credit for. Again, not because of who I am or what I do, but because of who you say I am. And when you have that proper perspective, friends, I I think it becomes easier to walk in the way of humility, where it's not all about you. And you can put your focus on others and you can be a blessing instead of just sapping the moment and trying to make it all about you. And I think that is maybe what becomes so attractive for people to see and go, man, I, I wanna be more like that. I wanna hang around people like that. Don't you? Don't you wanna hang around people like that? And I think that's how the gospel gains traction in a world that doesn't see that very often. And so may he see it in you and through you, and may the world see it in you and through you, and may he see it, and may they see it through us and the way that we live as we seek to walk humbly. And so um, just thank you again to all of you who partner with us. We, we do giving around here a little different if you're new. Uh, we've got a couple of giving boxes in the back. A lot of folks give online or through the app and you can do that. I wanna remind you the fall festival is next Saturday. Uh, so like a week from yesterday. So like before we gather again on a Sunday, uh, it'll be Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. right out here in the parking lot. There'll be several jumping cabs trunk or treat. Uh, there's ways, there's still ways for you to sign up to help with that. The sign up sheets are in the lobby here. If you're online, you can email us and say, hey, I'd like to help on uh, this time slot. You can help run a jumping castle. You can help with trunk or treat. You can help a cleanup or a setup. Uh, and so all the information's out there. Please sign up to help us with that and invite families, invite people from the neighborhood that you might know, people around your neighborhood that you might know. Uh, there's been 500 to 800 kind of kids, uh, like kind of kids? I mean, kids. Uh, and so, like, we got a ton of candy. Thank you for bringing that in. Uh, we're combining that, doing that with Emmanuel, so we're excited for next Saturday. Uh, I invite you to be a part of that if you want. If you want to see me in a giant monkey suit, you're welcome. Uh, and so, uh, continue to stay connected with us. If you are new here tonight, I'm going to be at the 10-minute party right back here in about 60 seconds. I would love to meet you and give you some of the best kettle corn this side of the where. Grand Canyon. Tony, it's there. Uh, we got the tailgate party. So here's the, the logistics for that, okay? One of our food trucks broke down. Uh, and so uh, Taco Kete is here. And the first $500 is already covered. Yeah, I said that. It's already covered. So... Um, don't eat more than you should, uh, but like save some for the people behind you. Uh, but that's covered, and, and you can head out there. Uh, we'd love to celebrate with you. Got the jumping castle going. We'll have a good time. Uh, Giant Connect Four, I think, is out there. If you've never played that, uh, Barbie here will teach you how to play, and she will crush you and not taunt you because she's humble. Um, so thank you for being here, and we'll see you at the 10-minute party if you're new. Otherwise, we'll see you outside in just a few. God bless you.